Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here and welcome to episode 173 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning into the podcast this week and thanks for listening to the show. Now, because of the holidays and everything that's been going on with COVID, I'm going to rerun an episode that I really enjoyed. This episode was number 131, which first aired on the 19th of the 3rd, 2020, and it was Rapid Racer Products. Now, RRP, Mudguards, you maybe know them better as, and it was great to get Craig Bromley, the owner and founder of Rapid Racer Products, on the podcast back then, because his mudguards are amazing. And you may think to yourself that mudguards are an easy thing to produce, right? Simple. You see them in almost every bike. Very, very easy. But in chatting with Greg, it's unbelievable the amount of detail that has to go into certain mudguards. Now, his in particular, because he designs all his mudguards for a specific fork setup. So you don't need to sip tie all of his mudguards. Yes, you can get ones that you sip tie, but these things can go on with bolts. So they're on there, they're solid, you don't have to worry about zip ties, rubbing up and down your forks, all that kind of stuff. And it goes to great pains to make these things fit perfectly and provide the job of keeping the mud off your bike and the mud off your chest and off your face. Now one of the reasons I wanted to rerun this episode was I recently got to use some of his product. Um, it was on a bike that I got a, a lend off from Chain Reaction. And to be honest, my mates were riding without front mod guards and I had one of Craig's on and it made a massive difference you maybe wouldn't think so but it did it kept my front clean kept all the muck and and the dirt and water and everything out of my face and out of my eyes it made a real difference and to be honest I don't think I'll ever ride without one in the winter again they do make a massive difference so listen in, we chat about Greg's racing background, about how RRP was born, their first products, how Chain Reaction helped RRP get to where it is today, how Craig designs prototypes on his printer and stuff like that, and why he uses local UK-based businesses to manufacture his products. We get into loads of stuff, we get into future products, all that kind of good stuff. So put your feet up for an hour, chill out. Lockdown's here again, not much more else to do, and let's welcome Craig to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Craig, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, how's things today sir? Uh, not not too bad Gareth, thank you very much for inviting us on the show. You are more than welcome and uh, you're busy today as always. Uh, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while but you're just, you're just super busy with one thing and another there, so thanks so much for sparing the time to come on. No problem at all. You've got 37 seconds, so go. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. And Craig, you're the, the owner and the founder of Rapid Racer Products, and you can be found at rapidracerproducts.com. Um, and it's a cool product. I actually seen your product first off when Glenn O'Brien was showing it on his social media. I think you'd sent him some guards and, you know, Glenn was doing it with these funny captions and his rock and roll music playing and all this kind of stuff, you know, that Glenn does. And uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of got in contact 
because of that, seeing that Glenn was using your stuff and yeah, uh, all yeah. that. So, yeah, good stuff. So tell us a little bit about what you do there. Where are you based? Uh, we're based in Stafford in the Midlands, in the UK, obviously. Um, we've, uh, we've got a head office there, but generally speaking, uh, I tend to do most of my design work uh, working from home. Uh, I get a, a better chance, really, to get all the parts and bits and bobs around me and chuck them on the bike and go out and test them. But... Mm-hmm. Yes, in the Midlands is uh, is centrally where we're based. Yeah, cool. And you're kind of a one man band. We've chatted about <laughs> yeah. it a wee bit, uh, and that's why your time sits. It's, it's quite <laughs> so it's difficult. quite funny when we, we 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 do get quite a few people sort of pass me through to the accounts department. Can we speak to the marketing team and the design team who looks after your social media? And it's just like, well, hey, <laughs> that'll be me then. <laughs> Yeah, I'll you should transfer you. I've just got to try it, but I'm hopeless at new accents, so uh, I, I do try. <laughs> but, uh, it, yeah, it work. It is just it is just me, and 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 essentially that all started because I had my uh, my own uh, career in soft services. I started in security man guarding, um, moved on to industrial cleaning, but it was all in like the facilities sort of area of um, of soft services. So that was. 16 hour a day job I uh, started racing downhill on the side and uh, and really RRP came from uh, from the racing side of things and so that I needed a setup that I could just do that a bit of designing for a bit of fun uh, and and have a network a structure around me that 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 dealt with everything else so somebody to do the the warehousing and uh, logistics uh, and that would pack the orders for me and store the stuff so I didn't have to have my own factory and my own staff because I had a full-time job. So that's essentially how our, our structure started. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a less um, long-term profitable solution than having your own uh, production and staff and so on and selling direct. But, you know, uh, the, the model with the distributor and, and third-party companies dealing with all the other elements allows me to at the time run a full-time job which was pretty busy um and, and stuff on the side and and it really we just maintained that model when i left it to do it full-time mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so let me just get it straight so rrp all your mud guards and things like that are branded with rrp so that's your brand essentially yes yeah yeah i own the um rapid racer products limited company which most people know as rrp but we did originally um, set up as a as a partnership with myself and a, a former teammate, Paul Mackey, when we used to be rapid racers, downhill team. Um, we just, you know, we'd get all our sponsors kit in mainly off the back of, of better uh, uh, downhill racers that are in the team. And um, we'd build up all these great new bikes with all our kit. And then you just went to the bin, basically, to find a an inner tube to cut it up and zip tie it across your forks and we thought (laughs) christ there's got to be a better way of doing this um so that's really where the neoguard was was born from our first product which was technically uh, born out of the the partnership between us two it then started to get to the point where it needed a significant investment there was um the orders started to flow in we needed to change how we packed them and Mm -hmm. And how we went about the whole process and um yeah i mean that's when um me and paul sort of parted company because uh, i mean he'd got a really busy job and and this required an awful lot more attention so um i we, we set up initially um a limited company which we've traded ever since since about 2007 uh but 
during that period of time in the early days when it realized that we needed a lot of commitment from both parties that um yeah we parted our ways um very amicably we're, we're still very good friends there was mm-hmm. it was nothing other than workloads and careers uh, we didn't know whether things would would take off or not uh, but i wanted to carry on um pushing the product and investing in it and see what happened really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that and ever since december 2007 when the company was started shortly after that then um it, it's been just me with uh, other third party companies that support me in, in various areas of of the business but you know all, all roads lead to me unfortunately Mm-hmm. And when did you decide to actually, you were making these products because you were racing and things. When did you decide to actually sell this stuff? <laughs> oh, well, it, uh, well, we knew there was a better solution than a cut-up inner tube and zip tie um, sort of mudguard. And really, <clears throat> I guess our big break come from um, the support from Chain Reaction and Michael Cowan. Uh, I used to bug him senseless at at the races to to stock our product, and uh, <laughs> I think uh, Chain Reaction at that particular time supported Rapid Racers, the the downhill team, um, with various discounts and stuff off products. Mm-hmm. I basically relentlessly pursued him until just out of sheer frustration, he he agreed to stock our stuff so he spoke to the uh, you know all the bosses and and then as soon as chain reaction came on board then essentially things started to explode mainly because their reach is so big um mm-hmm. nobody knew who we were nobody knew of the neo guard it could be the best product in the world but if people don't know it exists they don't buy it so they effectively acted as our marketing as well as obviously putting in some rather large orders as it started to become an extremely popular mudguard around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm looking at it now on your website, just as we're chatting here and yeah, it's tidy. Like it's tidy. So you designed that. Did you and Paul design that yourselves? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we found a, well, a scuba diving uh, company that was uh, very helpful that let me just turn up whenever I wanted um, drop down a load of tools, nick a load of their uh, neoprene and uh, Velcro and, and just prototype relentlessly. They just charged me for what I used on the basis that um, at the end of it, there was going to be a product which um, we would um, manufacture through them. Uh, I think they were based mm-hmm. like Sheffield way. And, uh, and that's how it really all started. And, and that was half the problem, really. There's, there's no way um, Paul could get up to... Uh, Sheffield all the way from Bristol and it just became a bit of a nightmare logistics wise but uh, yeah that's essentially how it all went and try various different materials to stop uh, the eyelets tearing Uh, so we've got like a special stretchy material that you can stretch quite a lot um, in order to uh, get it to uh, deform for for whatever the fork is doing and yeah it turned out to be uh, pretty much unchanged since it was released around 2007 so mm-hmm. yeah it's been uh, it's now classed as having a cult following so i'm wondering if that makes me a cult leader <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i tell oh, you it's sort of settled to the point where uh, although people still use it in downhill and enduro and such like um it's the cross-country races that seem to like it the most they can't seem to tolerate anything plastic um and with it being sort of 13 grams for the extra small and stopping a little bit of spray 
it seems to be a bit of a favourite with the really short travel sort of guys. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, happy days. Well, it's funny the way one product like that, you know, and and to look at it, you would think, you know, it's a simple idea. But I know chatting to gentlemen like yourself and people in the industry, these things don't come along easy. There's different fits, there's different sizes, there's this, there's that. There's the the amount of difference in fits and stuff is just endless oh it's super crazy and made work i mean the biggest uh, problem i have with designing really is me i'm just i just can't switch off because uh, i generally want to change every product as soon as i'm happy with it um <clears throat> and with with, with the neoguard was really the start of my ocd where <laughs> i spent so long tweaking and designing lots of crap that nobody would even notice but drives me nuts so i i keep tweaking i keep changing i think uh, uh the endura guard i'm on version 4000 or something or other mm. only so she reached the public but i'm constantly changing stuff because there's things i'm not happy about but the bike industry absolutely adores changing everything and bringing new stuff out every two mm-hmm. and a half and and whilst that really annoys the hell out of most people, including me, uh, the reality is I'm just as bad myself. I'm, I'm always wanting to change because they've now brought out boost forks or super boost or it's this or it's that. And I'm always trying to keep a, keep in touch with what the, you know, the new trends are, whether it be mountain biking or whatever and what effect that has on the product. So mm-hmm. you, you just never stop. The Enduro Guard is a simple product, but it took such a long time to settle on the four different sizes to be able to stretch across all the different length of forks. Um, it was one of the products that was only really copied about sort of three times. And I use the word copied loosely. Um, I don't like that word being used. They were competing designs is, is a better phrase. Uh, apart from the one from Korea, which was literally a trace round job. Um, mm. But other than the the, the the Korean one, the the rest like um, there were competing designs from Raceface, THE, and a few others. But uh, they they fell foul of what the process that I had to go through um, in order to secure it, to stop it from moving and rubbing the forks to death, um, to fit all different fork sizes and, and widths, and so on and so forth. Um, so it, it was a lot harder to come up with a competing design than than it looks than just coming up with a bit of stretchy material. Um, mm. It's it's hard to see from looking at it. Um, you know, I can bore people senseless about the benefits of passing the Velcro straps through the guard and so on and so forth. But yeah, it was it was really difficult to get that balance right and not have too many skews, um, too many product codes rather. Um, mm. Uh, and, and settle on the on the four sizes, and and that's really where my obsession with continually changing stuff came from, really. Yeah, and how does that process work, Craig? Do you do you start off with an idea? Do you sketch it in paper? You know, how do you source materials? How does that whole thing work for you? Well, initially with the the NeoGuard, it was really, really, really high tech. Um, I got basically a pencil, a, a ruler, and a bit of paper. Um, <laughs> I drew out a design. Uh, I cut it out of cardboard um, with measurements on it. Uh, and then I cut a piece of neoprene to fit that. Uh, we then sort of like test fitted that and we weren't worried about in them stages about 
how to stop things like the um, the holes from tearing and such like. It was about sizing and widths and lengths and how much it would stretch. And we would eventually settle on our four sizes for the for the NeoGuard and then get a cutting form made and then then stamp then you stamp out sort of pieces of uh, neoprene and and, and then mm-hmm. add the various different velcro straps and stuff later and that's how and that's how our first product was done later um things like the the pro guard bolt on and and the zip tie one uh, that that's all done by myself uh in cad and that's that was a tough journey at the age of 46 trying to learn you know old dogs new tricks and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. at 46 designing uh designing products in cad and learning how to do that traveling all over the country the various courses to learn CAD, which I had absolutely no idea how to use. Wow, wow, wow. So, uh, you know, at that stage, did you think, well, I outsource this? Because it would probably have been quicker and easier just to outsource that to somebody else, but you took the decision to learn yeah. the software yourself. Well, can you What's imagine, your thinking behind that? Can you imagine somebody like me who, I mean, I've got a 3D printer here to do a lot of my prototyping. And when I'm designing a product, it runs 24 hours a day, uh, do hundreds of prototypes. I am so frustrating. I couldn't sit next to, so it cost me four million pounds to release this book. <laughs> so just, I'd never get anything to market. I'd be bankrupt. Uh-huh. So I had to do it. I knew that straight away with the type of person that I am. There is no chance I could sit over a shoulder of somebody on whatever, 40 quid an hour and uh, they'd, they'd be a life partner for the rest of my life. They would live with me. It would be ridiculous, and uh, I'd never make any money at all. So I had to learn CAD. I had to get my own 3D printer. Um, And it was thousands and thousands of pounds for, like, software support, um, like about 10 grand for the 3D printer and all them various different things. So, yeah, it was uh, was a big investment, but I knew I needed to do it. Uh, I knew the large uh, mudguard um, type uh, of product was was gaining some traction and therefore I, I needed to be able to do CAD in order to achieve that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was worth the investment, but uh, yeah, really painful at the age of like 46 to start learning these sort of things where and I've done absolutely nothing similar previously. Yeah, yeah, no, I would I would think that now, to be honest, and that's a big step, that's a big commitment step to do that, to learn something like that, the time involved, the, the money involved, the investment, everything else. Um, so at this stage, you'd obviously left your full-time employment. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd moved around the group a few times. Uh, I had fairly senior roles, like head of ops and very direct, various director sort of roles. They were really tough, really stressful and needed, you know, a lot of commitment. Um, and I, and I just couldn't do, I, do, I couldn't do both. Mm-hmm. So I needed to uh, make a commitment. The, the stress was getting pretty, um, pretty bad in my current um, position, constantly restructuring and passing our group, uh, our company around the group. So just got to the point where I thought, you know what, I need to make the break now. I need to focus on something else. I need to change the direction. And you can, you can work flat out hard on your own company um for a level of hours morning noon and night uh, and not feel you're being used and abused and mm-hmm. you know and it seems okay if somebody asks you to do it then it suddenly becomes well hang on a minute this is unreasonable hours but for your own company it seems to be um perfectly okay 
Yeah, it's different that, isn't it? You really do go into a different mindset when it's your own thing. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's my dog you can hear in the background. It's her birthday today. Ah, oh, happy <laughs> birthday. squeaky toys and stuff. <laughs> it's in, so, uh, yeah, say hi, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. But no, no, no worries. That's aim. What age is Jess today? Uh, Jess is uh, three years old today. She's a Springer daughter, so Springer Spaniel and uh, Labrador sort of mix, um, hybrid, um, designer dog, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> You'll be getting busy with her too. Do you mind? No? What's that? Sorry? Oh, I was just talking to the dog. She just <laughs> doesn't seem to understand English. No, 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 crazy. Um, well, yeah, it's you know it's different working for yourself i think i've been in that environment myself and you don't mind working more hours and doing more stuff um, because it's more of a passion maybe than you look at it more like that than possibly yeah working for the bigger man kind of thing yeah absolutely um i just i don't know it's i mean it's stressful because there are times when things go wrong um you know you you have such ownership over uh, your own products and your own designs that um, it, it is difficult but difficult in a different way um, it's uh, it's hard to explain but you know yeah. I, I've got no one doing the social media so I'm doing that myself so I don't think I've watched properly a TV program for two years uh, wow. uh, you pretend to I mean you're there you're there sort of watching it but you, if you don't keep up with the you know the tags the the mentions the messages the requests for information and all that sort of stuff it sort of adds to the next day and makes that day even worse you know you sort of keep on top of it as it happens but mm-hmm. essentially it means you you never switch off I'm answering stuff when I got while well, I'm still in bed as it happens you know I'm answering questions when I I get up and eating breakfast of a morning so it, it's pretty relentless and pretty non-stop but in a in a, in a good sort of way it's your company you're proud of it so you know you're more than happy to you know to work these sort of hours mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's sure. really fast it work the same you know uh, the only thing I ever wish to do with my company I'm not bothered about being rich millionaire famous not that stuff interests me at all I just want the <clears throat> the lifestyle that my friends believe I've got <laughs> That's all I want in life. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm watching daytime TV all day because I work from home. Obviously, I don't work. All the products design themselves, test themselves, and you know, that, that's. I think that's their train of thought. And, and I have had um, a relatively easy life at, at in, in between sort of product launches and, and stuff like that. When things settle down, you know, you can sort of recoup a bit of time. But that's the only time any of your friends remember. Not the mm-hmm. you know the sixteen hour days, day after day after day after day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And that's the thing about stuff like this. You know, people see the end product, but they don't see the hours and the sweat, the tears, and everything that's went into actually producing that. They just see the end, the end result. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, what that, and the thing is that the real nice, sexy stuff of of designing a new product and watching it develop—that's fantastic. You know, the starting point is nothing like the finishing point, and that that evolution is fantastic. But you know, once the product is designed and finished in in, in prototype form, and 
then all the really crap stuff starts, you know, like fitting instructions mm. and logos and trademarks and images oh. and photographs and websites and all the, the, the unrewarding stuff that you have to do to support that great idea and product. You know, it's, it's not all, it's not all the, the really good stuff. It's the stuff that feels less rewarding after that yes. you've got the, you know, that everyone demands, like the like images, the, you know, and various videos and, and stuff, which and certainly in terms of fitting videos were pretty poor. It just, it's just the time to sort of sit down and, 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 and get the right sort of environment and get it all videoed and, and, and such like. But, yeah, I mean, we've got, we're certainly going to have to improve the the website and some fitting videos because uh, it's certainly an area where, you know, we're, we're fairly poor on. Um, but that side of things is time-consuming and tough, and it, and it mm-hmm. does prevent you from, you know, designing new products and investing in other stuff. As you, you, you know, you've got to keep on top of everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the issue with that, I think, as well, for somebody like yourself, is it's taken you away from doing what you're really passionate about and what you're really good at doing and what be- probably benefits RRP the most is you designing and testing and, and, and stuff like that. So it's taken you away from that, effectively. Do you ever think or... Have you got support at the minute from family, friends? You know, do you do you get help from people like that, or is that something you think you'll maybe look at in the near future? Uh, no, not really. Um, certainly not at the moment. I mean, I've you know, I've I've looked at the possibility of having someone to take on the social media. Uh, you need quite a lot of product knowledge to be able to answer some of the questions, and mm-hmm. I'm one of them people that I'm, you know, you, you you're proud of what you've done. And you don't really want somebody else's take on that. Um, for instance, the social media, you have to try and be as helpful as possible, answer as quickly as possible. And so, you, you know, you want to be answering morning, noon and night because we, we sell stuff all around the world. So there's different time zones. So to them, it's the middle of the day. But for you, you're just going to bed or just waking up. And, uh, you know, you want it to be answered quickly. Just, you know, when you send messages to um, websites or companies when you're desperate for an answer for something you're building a bike you need an answer and then they take five to seven days to respond you know mm-hmm. a reasonable time frame but to you it's like forever so I try and behave in a way which I would love to be treated myself by a, a, another company so can you get that same sort of passion with somebody else the speed can you demand that they're available morning noon and night it's it's, it's quite difficult to deliver the same quality of service when you're asking somebody else to do it and mm-hmm. and everyone's important and although sometimes you have you know bad days where you, you perhaps aren't as uh open-minded as as other days you know because you've had mm-hmm. a tough day but generally speaking I, I try very hard to you know treat everybody who sends me a message or a request or is after information like it's the, you know the very first one that i've received and It'd be as helpful as possible because they don't need to know or care, you know, how busy you are in the background. They just mm. want some help. So I just worry passing over certain things to, mm-hmm. to or would, would would not. Uh, I struggle to let go if, if the truth be known. Yeah. I will yeah. at some point have to um, at certain areas that, that take up a lot of time uh, and, and take, a, I guess, a more corporate approach to how we service like things like social media that, that take up a great deal of your time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually reading a, a very good book at the minute, which 
you would probably enjoy, Craig. Now, I don't know if you read or anything, but you get it if you well, don't have the time. So, sorry, cab for idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, Company of One by Paul Jarvis, and it's a it's like somebody in your situation. Uh, the book goes into being a company of one. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean just one person in the company, but it's how you operate smaller. If you're not looking massive growth and massive investment and, and you know, bigger is better, all that kind of stuff, Yeah. and, and you're operating a, a company similar to yourself, it's actually very good. I think you would enjoy it. Uh, get it on audio yeah. or whatever if you haven't the time. You know, you can listen to it when you're when you're doing your website updates or whatever you know and you don't yeah 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 uh but yeah i think you might find that quite interesting and it should help you to be honest i I gotta say i don't think anybody else that has any pride in their business is is any different i mean you can change Mm -hmm. the product you can change the company name and what they sell and so on but it's exactly the same you know yeah if you like the the large one-man bands where you're sort of one person and but you are reaching quite far around the world in terms of where you sell and you're doing everything yourself it, it wouldn't really matter what the product is the, the challenges are still the same you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah very true very true now let's chat a little about your products then so okay. um so you mainly produce uh, mud guards off-road and road and xc kind of you know you do it you do quite a lot there um what what made you want to go down that route, the mudguard route? Um, I don't know. <laughs> kind of, we kind of <laughs> fell into it really. Well, we did the neo guard just because we were racing down at the time, and that was just something we wanted to do. It was more for a, a laugh and a design challenge, really, just to test us a little bit, see if we could do something, uh, create a solution for a problem. Uh, and then the, the theme sort of carried on, but I mean, the bare impression extraction tool was. We just out of sheer frustration. Um, I had an intense bike at the time. I, you know, I used to love the bike, uh, but they did chew through bearings like they were apples. And so you're changing bearings often, and the socket and the hammer and all that malarkey just just sort of got on my nerves. And kept pestering a, a local company to to design a bearing press and extraction tool just for the like the home mechanic. Mm-hmm. Rather than the big corporate ones for the big brands that are usually brand specific. Um, and you could get uh, bearing presses from like wheels manufacturer and stuff in America, but they were like a gazillion pounds. And so the bearing press and extraction tool we did again was just to solve a solve a problem. There wasn't really anything out there at the time. I just wanted a small tool just to change linkage bearings just for the home mechanic, and and that's sort of really really popular now. We've got so many bike mechanics using it, um, and it, which wasn't wow. really its intended use. Loads of shops everywhere and mobile mechanics and World Cup racing teams have, you know, um, contacted us because they it's just a compact, nice little kit and they love it. And yeah, so that's gone. It's not it, it's not intended on being like a high volume item like uh, like a mudguard would be, but mm-hmm. it's uh, growing in popularity, something something crazy. and. So we we sort of did the the, the bearing press and extraction tool the the neo guard uh, and then really the first one the first major one that we did um, for high volume was the endura guard um, you know the bendy plastic um, mm-hmm. plastic that you front front guard 
Yeah, um, the likes of things like Marsh Guard and such like, so, so they were out at the time and I thought I could do a better job. I felt there was more protection to be had and and started something that we've, a theme that we sort of kept on with all our future pro guards and such like with the the seal shield, the seal guard protection, um, because we're servicing forks. We ride over Canic Chase a lot to to test and over there the, the, the this must be the type of mud it just destroys the the fork seals it's uh it's pretty corrosive to to, to your longevity of forks so mm-hmm. the seal guard was sort of born out of that to protect them extend the the life of the seals and and that became a really popular mud guard uh, i think we're selling over 50 or thousand of them a year um wow various different countries super super popular uh, we, again, we did two sizes because I felt the competition sort of had one size fits all and, and that kind of left not that much protection on the big forks and, and probably too much looked a bit too big and too much and sometimes striking the down tube on the smaller travel forks. Uh, so we sort of settled on a, on a, a standard and a large size. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like really popular. Um, so that that kind of kicked things off for us really in terms of sales and and the brand sort of making its way around the world so we just stayed, yeah we did things like the fat guard and and stuff like when it suddenly came onto the scene and and, and such like but they turned out to not be the the latest trend and, and it's settled into a, a little niche now um where the numbers are fairly low, but um, it, like most things, you never know in the industry whether 29-inch wheels will, will suddenly be a, a big thing. And then it, it did settle down into something credible. And then mm-hmm. now we've got like mullet bikes and, you know, there's boost, super boost. There's all sorts of stuff that they come up with that you sort of think of investing in it in case it becomes, uh, you, you know, massive. Um, but you never have any idea whether it's just something that's going to fall away uh, or, or something that's it's going to be a, a standard that 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 stays. Mm-hmm. Um, from from there, we we did things like the NeoGuard Rigid, which was really for rigid uh, rigid forks on mountain bikes um, and cyclocross bikes. So it was a little mini one for cyclocross bikes along with a little cx guard which which now works on on road disc brakes as well for for quite a lot of bikes just to cut down the amount of spray and protect that that lower bearing um Mm -hmm. we tried to do a bit for the road but we're so well known in the mountain bike um industry that, that that road really don't know we exist so it's it's quite hard to sell something in an area where you don't have much reach so we did like the 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 rear guard road uh just velcro straps underneath uh the saddle just to cut down the amount of spray that goes up your back and uh, a valve guard which stops the valve from rattling on a carbon rim that drives you balmy um again it just it came from a, a problem that i had riding the the road bike and you just come up with a a solution for, for your own personal problems and that's how a, a lot of things a lot of things are in, in many businesses you know you you find a problem, you find a solution, and 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 try and sell it to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's good because you're effectively you're making somebody's ride more enjoyable. You know, they can go out and enjoy it more. So, so you're solving a problem, and that really is something good. And it's 
it's more than just a gimmick. It's not a gimmick product or anything. It actually has serving a purpose. Yeah, well, yeah, that that feels great as well. And and you catch yourself um, reading people's comments when they don't they, they don't think you're you know you're watching what they're saying and and what they're writing and. And it's nice, un- unprovoked, when people say, you know, uh, you know that they really then wouldn't buy anything else if you'd have a seal guard on it, or they really like the design of this and uh, RRP this, that, and the other. And you know, it's it's not a big, massive corporate company. It's just it's just well, essentially me. Um, so it's nice when you read that how you uh, you intended to solve a problem, and then you see somebody talking about that problem being solved. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty rewarding for me. I mean, like I say, I've that my whole ethos is all about like design first and profit later. I've, and and we seem to have a pretty um, pretty dedicated following uh, that that seem to appreciate that we put a huge amount of ridiculous effort into the tiniest detail. You know, let's not say I'm the best designer in the world, but I do the very best that I can do with the skills that I've got and and, and nothing's left, um, you know, unchecked. I try everything, all the best materials. I don't I don't try and do the same as what anybody else has done. I always try and come up with something unique. And often if I can't do a better job, I just won't do. Um, I won't just won't do a product. I'll just leave it be. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And people seem to appreciate that. People notice that um, that uh, things like the bolt-on, Christ alive, that, that it's just such a nightmare of a product to design and produce. Um, it's if you would never write a certainly in how it turned out for us, you'd never write a business plan with yeah. costs involved and and get that approved by anyone with any brains. Uh, it really is design first and worry about how to make it actually pay the bills later um, mm-hmm. so this is the pro this is the pro guard bolt on um is this for just the front uh, yeah the the pro guard bolt on is our latest um product that that essentially yeah. just gets rid of the zip ties which most people seem to detest um we tried some new finishes on it as well and uh, we've got sort of a mini and a stand and, and we had to you know, we had so many challenges with this mud guard because it's easy to design a small like micro guard that that bolts on it doesn't need any stability and you screw it in and it's dead simple but if you try and do a large mud guard um and then fit it to a fox fork where they've got little tiny m3 threads and yeah then the challenges really start and then whatever you design then trying to get it out of the mold um without it costing you a, a, a fortunes the next challenge so i mean it pretty much bankrupt to me getting the, the bolt onto market i had no idea whether we'd actually make any money at all but it captured the imagination of the public and i didn't realize just how much people hate zip ties so uh, yeah. people are buying it um in the droves and it'll probably still take me two years to break even the thing costs so much money but it was definitely worth doing. I'm really proud of what I've done, uh, uh, but it doesn't end there. You know, I'm being pursued relentlessly for adapter brackets to fit, you know, DVO and X-Fusion, Cane Creek and all the rest of it. Some will be possible, some won't, but it's it's like the product that keeps on giving. It just, it's just, it's relentless. It's Yeah. So, mass- yeah, like it's just not as easy as designing something with a few holes in it. You no. know, it, it has to be designed to fit every kind of individual fork or fork brand. 
and as I take it, uh, the different fork brands have got different threads and all this and. Yeah, well, I mean, quite a lot of them don't have any threads at all, but okay. uh, you've got companies like RockShox that don't have any threaded holes at all, and that's one thing we get relentlessly pursued uh, quite aggressively sometimes, that they like the bolt-on so much. It's like, will it fit RockShox forks? No, they don't have any threaded holes. Then design something! And it's like, well, I haven't got any bolt holes, so I've got nothing to do, but well, then do something! <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, you know, <clears throat> we've had people already sort of resin, putting resin in the back of the forks and putting helicoils in and all sorts of stuff, which is we seriously don't recommend at all. The yeah. people who design the forks know what they're doing and that material needs to be there. So we absolutely say don't do that. <clears throat> but I'm sure that with the popularity of these bolt-on fenders that, you know, the rock shocks hopefully will sort of come on board and, if they, you know, as long as they don't, they play the game and they put the holes in a similar place or the same place spacing as as, as Fox M4, preferably, please. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then it'll be great. That you know, there's lots of people that want to run these types of fenders. Um, there's there's a few, you know, from different companies that will do like a small fender, and that would make life an awful lot easier. But you know, history tells you that they don't. The companies don't really play well together, so they'll do something that that is wild and inappropriate, and we'll have to build something specifically for them. But um, yeah, it's it's difficult because I I don't want like a million products. So the the mm -hmm. pro the cable tie one we did from the start, it had to fit up to a three inch tire, so it covered normal tires and plus tires. Um, it had to cover. 26 27 and a half and 29 inch forks um, and when you start to add the challenges of all these forks and, and find one that will fit all it it, it really is quite challenging and then you've got to what we do is we we i say we you know it's me um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for all the problems with all of the competitor ones uh, you buy the competitor ones you have a look at them you fit them and you start to work out what the challenges and problem design problems there are with the competition and then try and eradicate them and find, you know, which ones are, are breaking and, and realize you need your own special material, not just the off the shelf stuff. And that's when you start to build up the costs when you, you have more special materials and you, you, you find different solutions. That, that, that's really where you can drain the margin, but mm. it's how we do things, how we'll always do things and, I earn enough to uh, buy nice bikes and stuff like that. And, you know, it, the, the business really funds my bike habit. And as long as it carries on doing that and I can pay the bills and keep the lights on, then for me, it is all about doing the best that I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing. And, and, and that's where the book stops, really. Uh, nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah. And as far as the products go there, how do you test them? Do you have a bunch of ambassadors or like Glenn and the guys? How do you actually go about testing them? Uh, we have some fabulous riders that can smash anything to pieces. So we, we're, Glenn's, <laughs> Glenn's good at that. Um, <laughs> he only has to come up short on a 30-footer and you can you can certainly <laughs> test impact protection, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, we, uh, like most companies, I guess, we sponsor around about, 50 million riders and well sponsoring support and have ambassadors um loads of them uh, we sponsor a lot of um 
Irish riders as well, just loads and loads and loads. I think it really all came from, you know, like the chain reaction link, but yeah. um, a fair bit of rain over there. So the Needham Wood Guards is pretty high. So we have a, we have loads of riders, loads and loads and loads of riders. Um, we have, in terms of main sponsor riders, we have people like Adam Brayton, who's fantastic at helping us design things because he can break things. He always seems to have prototype forks and uh, uh you know and rides everything from you know e-bikes to downhill bikes and, mm-hmm. and he's helpful in terms of what you know fit suggestions and challenges and uh, and stuff that i need to that i need to take into account um and what you know one of the worst timings from feedback from riders with both glenn and adam <clears throat> came up with a uh, an issue with the the bolt on within 24 hours after we'd finished the mold uh, we'd actually machined it and this 4.2 billion pound mold and then both glenn and adam emails me at the same time virtually to say uh, yeah i've just had a bit of an issue and like oh no mm. so we ended up spending another ten thousand pounds changing the bracket right at the last minute after it was finished um to create some more clearance none of the fragile 3d printed prototypes um had any issues um but again if you like come up short on a big jump and you know you crash in a certain way you've got you find out different things at different times it was just really really bad timing but um riders like um adam brayton and glenn o'brien are fantastic for that we've We've also got people like Brooke McDonald and Christ, if you have seen him ride, then um, mm. God, good Lord. Um, yeah. He's like a bloody whirlwind, isn't he? He's, uh, he's very good at testing products. He gives some good feedback. Um, he's absolutely, it's, it's, you struggle to get the, the bolt-on mini off his bike, and no matter how bad the weather is, he loves it. Um, but he can crash at, a, at around 70 miles an hour, you know, <laughs> through a set of woods. You know, he's, he's crazy, crazy fast. He's, uh, so people like that test the product in its worst environment uh, in terms of challenges. Um, Brooke going over rocks on a, on, a, on a really, really fast section will test the stability of the, the mudguard better than anybody else can. Yeah. Because <clears throat> of the sheer velocity involved um so when you haven't got zip ties on the side arms we had massive challenges with stability with the bolt on in terms of the bracket and supports and because it's just held just at the top um and yeah we managed to get to a point with their help of stabilizing the mud guard making sure it's um stiff and strong enough but flexible enough um mike jones uh, on on the uh Mondrega team as well. He's uh, he's another one of our sponsored riders. He's well, again, he's a bit like Brooke. You see him ride. Uh, he's very uh, he's a bit of a crasher win sort of rider. So again, he can mm. give some good feedback on uh, on 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 the prototypes, uh, which is great because they're three D printed, so they're pretty fragile. They're not that they're really to design. Um, so you can design stuff and test spray deflection angles, fit ang- uh, fit fitment, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So if they don't break them regularly, you know you're onto a winner. So in terms of basic testing, before we get to the professionals, then most of that's done with with, with me and my local friends. We've got a lot of RRP 
supporters and riders and ambassadors uh, locally. Uh, I've got lots of shops that um, I, I travel to and, and, and do fit tests. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to uh, Manth Lifestyle and Run and Ride and various places like um, Leisure Lakes, Dave Richardson's and people like that have been very helpful. Uh, you can sort of just rock up and start fitting your prototypes to, to the forks just to see what challenges you got because there's, there's so many different types out there of mm-hmm. designer forks even within the same company before you talk about other brands it's 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 crazy some of the challenges mm-hmm. out there for something as basic as a mud card you think yeah you know you're designing a rocket ship sometimes with some of the challenges you have in terms of sizing and mm-hmm. but yeah so we use the shops for testing a, a massive variety of forks We've got some distributors that help out. They have, you know, they have um, their own ride. They're riders at the end of the day. They're, they, you know, they're keen to to try your products. So you can always find, um, you know, a variety of different and new forks from from various dis- distributors. Um, mm-hmm. Our local testing, and then we go to pro racers who, who take it to the the, the absolute extreme. Yeah. You, you get a pretty good idea. You know what needs to be done in terms of fit and stability and sizing. So you tend to know what you're doing before you you, you get to design a new product mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah and you do a, a crash replacement scheme which is pretty cool yeah that's pretty recent that, um yeah it was just something we discussed with the distributor and you know we just didn't really get any any wood guards that that broke but you, you think well you know it's a essentially a consumable item so maybe there's loads of them breaking out there in in genuine crashes and and such like and you know it wouldn't cost us the earth to you know change uh, you know 10 20 30 maybe 100 200 around the world and, and just offer this crash replacement offer them 50 percent off um no no quibbles if it's a, a genuine crash if you're you know, you did an endo in the car park and somehow landed funny and broke it, we'd still replace it. You didn't have to have, you know, um, a story of just riding along. We would just replace it at 50% of mm-hmm. its cost. And we, you know, got in a, a, another 300 um, pro guards just to, you know, just to allow us to sort of cope with any demand worldwide. And and so far since we've launched, we've changed one. Um, wow. Well, you don't know that though until you do it. Cause, yeah, cause yeah, they, of course. Uh, although the Bolton's quite an expensive mudguard compared to the others, some of the other stuff is is fairly cheap, and you would expect people just to throw them in the bin if they've used them for over like twelve months. And you know, they get a hard life because they're just constantly being hit at high velocity with mud, and mm, yeah, you know, it's a tough life as a mudguard. So yeah, yeah. it's like a usable <laughs> item rather than a fit a fit forever sort of product you know mm-hmm, yeah yeah for sure uh, no it's nice to offer and it also also shows uh you know that you're you're very very confident over your own product you know and that the things are good quality and and if something does happen like that you're more than welcome to replace it at 50 percent off so it shows it shows nice to the consumer i think it's a very nice gesture well we, we've kind of i mean we haven't really replaced many of any of of the products Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been it's been one of our greatest areas it's kind of i guess reward you for all the effort you spend in terms of design but i mean you can't factor in everything you know human beings are uh uh, 
relentlessly pursue a, a, a fitting of a, of a product in totally the wrong location or, or the wrong manner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen mud guards attached to the underside of the top crown like the <laughs> rather than the lower fork brace and uh, mm-hmm. with the zip tie zip tied to the you know kashima stanchions and you're thinking how on earth did you think that's how we designed it because mm-hmm. uh, you know especially the men we oh, christ we don't read instructions do you just rip the stuff off and line uh, up exactly and you fit it and then when it doesn't fit that's when you think well, where did i put the instructions and yeah yeah and that's a that, that that's difficult for us because they're you know you know you know people don't read the instructions and you spend a lot of time trying to cover the the small areas that make a a big difference but um yeah we haven't had many breakages um and, and warranty it you know that's been a really good area for us and i'm i'm really really chuffed i'm really really chuffed that we're not constantly dealing with them but it happens you know it, it always happens and what i really like is uh when you get pic- you get pictures come in and you you know what's happened and you know what they've done, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but they kind of won't admit to it. And, and even when you know for uh, a couple of things that have broken that you can see they've not they've not checked clearance, uh, and so you can see where the uh, like if they've put a, an endura guard on the rear you know you need to be careful that you can bottom the back of the fork out and you don't like hit the frame or any uh, anything like that and you can see where it's been hitting constantly mm-hmm. and that's why it, it, it's broke and you uh, you just want to get them to admit that and the same with the bearing press we've had we make the handles small which irritates a lot of people but it's just designed so that you don't take on big jobs you, you know you, you don't put any damage into the frame it's really just designed for the home mechanic to change linkage bearings but you can see i'm putting ring spanners on and, and long tubes and stuff to add extra leverage and it, so rather than it could be some bearing that's a little bit stiff or it could be that it isn't actually aligned properly and that's what you're trying to prevent and they snap a handle off and you know exactly what they've done and um, and you know, I, I quite enjoy just saying, "Look, tell me the truth of what's happened. It didn't just fall off. You've stripped threads <laughs> out of steel, for Christ's sake, and aluminium. So you haven't done that by hand. Just, just, you know, I, I just, it just fell out of my hand. Well, tell me the truth, and I'll replace it for you. And then they said, "Yeah, what I did? I stuck a ring spanner on it, and to gain extra leverage, and mm-hmm. yeah, it broke off. And then I just." You know, if they tell me the truth, then I just I tend to replace it because we don't get enough to worry about volume of warranties and, and such like. So it's the honesty, really, that I'm after, not just to get them to tell me the truth, but I need to know whether the, 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 there's a design flaw or whether I do really need to consider changing something. And we have looked at various tweaks based on, you know, a couple of warranty um, issues that we've had with the bearing press. Um but generally speaking, the, you know, it's a handful of of warranties throughout the entire product range since we started the company in 2007. Mm. So that's fantastic. And, and you know, that, that's one of the things, I, you know, I take great pride in. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So when you're producing your products, Craig, do you do you produce them in-house? Do you 3D print them all or what way does it work? Um it depends on the product. The the if you like the bendy mud guards, they're they're a cutting form that you stamp out um, 
polypropylene, a, a flat sheet of polypropylene, you design it and stamp it out. It all gets produced. Um, well, everything we do, with the exception of the the NeoGuard, which we did when we were a partnership company before we started Limited, uh, which was made in China initially. Um, every every product since has all been designed, uh, manufactured and, uh, and packed in the UK and, and certainly the latest injection molder one and all the CADs done by me. All of the um, the manufacturing and production is done in the Midlands, injection molding companies. Um, warehouse and storage is in is in the UK as well. Um, mm. So yeah, we're, we're pretty pleased to keep it um, essentially a, a uk company run by a uk person and mm-hmm. and that's quite tough you know there are there's loads and loads and loads of opportunity to actually make a, a decent amount of margin by having everything made uh, abroad and it is a huge temptation um but it's not really uh, a road that we're going to go down we're, we're going to stick to being a, a uk-based company getting predominantly everything uh, manufactured and in this country and, and designed by myself yeah it's cool man and it's great to see that you know people like yourself are, are doing that because it is i'm sure easier it obviously has its pitfalls with getting stuff manufactured you know in china or wherever abroad but um yeah do you find that doing it in the uk you can keep keep runs kind of smaller and tweak things as you go rather than having to order containers of these things or um Mm, not not really in order to you know i i tend to run a high volume low margin sort of business because i've got lots of hands in the pies with distributors and Mm -hmm. people who do my warehouse and logistics and such like so i I have to order in in reasonable volumes um which makes life difficult if you then want to change the product Mm -hmm. once you're hoping you've covered every base when you still have to order in very large numbers um and and then store it and then you pay for the storing as well so everything is is, is really all third-party people um you, you can like i say you can you can order stuff from uh, china and various other countries and you have to order in, in fairly substantial numbers but the the price is insanely cheap but monitoring quality control can be sometimes a bit of a challenge yeah um and it has to be big bulk drops as well. Um, I mean, it has its place, definitely. Um, you, you know, not everything that comes from China is bad, so I wouldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. The fact that I can just drive to the warehouse if we have an issue with some the packaging that hasn't been packed properly or, or, or any mistakes that I've made, I can travel to them pretty quickly, in, including the manufacturers are only sort of uh, 45 minutes uh, away i can drive to them and have a look at how they're being produced off the line make sure it is as spec as designed um take a few away we can test them we can do lots of different things and that's so much easier if it's in the uk than it is in 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 china or any other foreign country and i, and I remember when we when we did uh, the NeoGuard and uh, we changed something with the NeoGuard and asked them for a sample and it got uh, it got a flaw in the product. We were just trying to show them what we wanted to do in another area and they reproduced one with the same fault on it. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's in 
some things get lost in translation exactly yeah whereas you just you don't have any of that when 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 you like produce in the uk because you you know you stick really close um the mold agent was around here yesterday for a few hours as we were going through various different things for new products and stuff and and it's just it's a faster way of working unless you keep going you know flying abroad and stuff for us it just it fits i don't have the time for that so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's uh yeah, there's something good about, you know, being a UK company and getting pretty much everything from, from the UK. Um, certainly what the UK can supply needs to improve some of its areas that, uh, you know, when you want certain things, you can only get, you know, from abroad. But other than that, you know, I think as as, as other countries, you'll find uh, have are starting to moan about their rights, so their, the pay is going up and you'll find maybe things will equalize a little bit more. Um, not, not uh, you know, talking about the B word or anything like that, but just, just you know, in life, China, the, the, the people are demanding greater wages and, and so on and so forth. So you'll see mm-hmm. that going up. Um, so you'll, you'll see some leveling. So you'll get some reward for sticking with the UK, but some things just have to be made abroad and yeah yeah thankfully the type of stuff that we design um we tend to be able to do pretty much absolutely everything uh, in the uk so we'll stick with that as long as we can because there's no drive for profit margins or sales targets or just essentially a mountain biker with a, a good idea who likes to design stuff and <laughs> yeah cool as long as people saying it's the best or, or or they say really nice things and i can pay the electric bill i, I tend to be pretty happy with that yeah, no, man, it's cool. And it's cool to see it sticking in the UK. It's really nice. Um, so how can people best get your products? Where can they best source them from? Well, our distributor in the UK is Extra UK. So uh, we don't sell to the public unless it's uh, end of line stuff like discontinued or previous versions. Um, mm. So we don't really sell direct. We we sort of support the distributor um and bike shop sort of model that includes obviously the online retailers but they're a factor life you can't uh yeah you can't start bitching at that it's just the model of the bike industry mm-hmm. so uh they order in through extra uk so you can go to your local bike shop if you're very friendly with them they can order our products through extra uh there's lots and lots and lots of online retailers from you know chain reaction leisure lakes and all the rest of them that do you know discounted prices if you already know what you're looking for and you just want the cheapest price um yeah so they're pretty accessible out there now we've got you know from it's certainly in terms of around the world we've got a a master eu distributor just to help out with um distribution across europe uh, they've got various distributors that they a point in in different countries uh, so that's now company that, that do the eu master distribution network for us um and uh, again it, it's the same model in, in different countries um we, we, we don't want to be dealing directly with with shops because it requires too much time setting them up doing small orders chasing payment all that sort of stuff and we just mm-hmm. we're not set up for that so it's it's bulk orders um, through a, a distribution network and I, I can't see us changing that in the future and selling direct uh, great margins though crikey um you know once you've established a brand as you've seen with a lot of brands nowadays they're they're, they're then going direct themselves because they mm-hmm. they just don't need that awareness that y- you get from sales reps and distribu- distributors driving around talking to people about the products and 
signing mm-hmm. options, um, and, and that's what they're really good at. So once they've established their brand, they change it internally to be able to cope with orders and and they go direct and you see so many companies doing it and yeah you know you can you can see where they're coming from it's a way of you know making more margin and 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 dealing direct with the consumer so you know it has it certainly have its benefits mm-hmm. yeah no no it's it's but for yourself i think the way you do it you have to you have no other option really no, no, I'm not interested in um, in, in going direct. I'm, I would never say never, but I, mm-hmm. personally, I'm not I'm not really interested in in, in that sort of model. So I'll, I'll stick um, trading through the, the like the traditional network, um, and I and I can't see any reason to change. I certainly don't have the time. I'd have to employ people in order to exactly all that and. Yeah, you know, yeah. bike shops out there are having a bit of a tough time as well. So I can well imagine chasing payment could be, you know, a challenging job in its own right. Totally, totally. Um, so before I let you go there, um, anything new planned for the future you can tell us about? Or, oh, well, what can I tell you? Um, <laughs> there, there are a few things we're working on, but I tend to have to go project by project because uh, of the mm. cost in the molds and, and stuff you, you can't just like design 12 products and you know you'd need sort of half a million pounds to, to, to get through it all yeah but we, are, we are looking at doing a, a few other products um certainly uh, other pro guards are definitely in the wings um at some point in the future uh we just we, we we've sort of redesigned the enduro guard now um for the God knows how many versions we've done now, but um, that, that latest tweak is out. We've redesigned the 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 fat guard just for the hell of it, um, and we, we we've got probably four of the products that we're working on. None of none of which are sort of coming out like imminently. Uh, mm-hmm. but always working on uh, new designs. We're doing a lot of work at the moment on adapter brackets and trying to adapt our bolt on to fit the uh, threaded holes on forks that that we couldn't incorporate within the bracket you know so cane creek um exfusion dvo um various different uh, forks that have holes in a different configuration that we couldn't uh, we couldn't mm-hmm. fit that's mm-hmm. pretty technical uh, and proving fairly unsuccessful at, uh, for, for some of the brands as well because of the difficulties in fitting it all in but yeah, um, nothing really that I can I, I can share uh, at the moment, but keep an eye out on uh, our social media and uh, you, you'll see all the latest prototypes and 3D prints there. That's where we tend to uh, show people what we're working on. All right, cool, cool. Sounds very good. Um, and socially, people can just get you, what's your social handles and stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's Rapid Racer products on um on instagram um we've on, on facebook as well that yeah, fairly easy to find um we we are on uh twitter but i don't really get the twitter thing so we don't really uh, you know <laughs> i mean instagram for an old fart like me instagram was like a bit of a revelation well, well, why, why isn't everyone just using facebook you know but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it tends to be the young for instagram as it all started off and now everybody's sort of migrating across to that um yeah and now generally, you know, Facebook is considered for the old farts, but it's, uh, yeah, so that, they're, they're the two main platforms that, that, that we're on. Um, yeah, we are on Twitter, but and we, we do 
read everything, any mentions, tags, and, and so on and so forth on over all three. But I, I don't really want to tell you. There are all sorts. You see my kids who are on all sorts of platforms I've never even heard of. But uh, yeah. yeah, there is no way I'm expanding to any more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's enough, man. I think that's enough. Uh, yeah, Twitter for me is just, uh, you know, I don't get it at all. You know, it's it's one of those things so uh, I kind of missed it and I'm glad I did because the social thing is just so time consuming it's unbelievable oh it's crazy man it really is it's absolutely crazy because you could say well you don't have to answer everything you don't have to look at everything but sometimes when you start to think like that you'll get a really good mention it'll be a you know you're tagged in a review where you know the 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 ProGuard Max Protection just won uh, the best mud guard available today uh, against all of our competitors, you know. And if you just like, if you miss that, you don't. Yeah. It, you, it's something that you can share and you can use to to show people that you know we've put a lot of effort into your products. Uh, it could be you know somebody broke something, you know, and you you want to reach out to them and say, hey, how did it happen? And can I do anything to help you? Or it can be a sponsored rider, so it could be a good or a bad mention and. So you, you, you've got to go through them all, really, because mm-hmm. when you get really, really bored of it all and it's the relentless pursuit of, will you sponsor me? I'm thinking of riding downhill next year and I think I'll be amazing. Um, you know, all of the the messages, just when you start to get frustrated with it all, you'll you'll get some peach of a either a mention or a tag in some sort of review that, you know, turns out to be pretty important. Mm-hmm. No, very true, very true. Ah, it's just part of the whole thing. You just got to go with it. It is, it is, and you know, it's it's tough uh, unless you're, you know, you're a big company. You've got whole departments that, that can do that. Um, but it's also pretty rewarding at times if you, you know, I like to, you know, watch, what, what, have a look at some of the remarks. If especially when they're saying nice things unprovoked, they don't even know who you are. Um, often think you're this big massive corporate company and <laughs> they're saying some nice things you know that, that kind of makes it all worthwhile because you know you can put in a lot of hours and and then you get somebody saying you know it's the best thing that they've ever you know they've ever used and stuff and and that that stokes the fire keeps you going you know yeah totally makes it worthwhile well listen thanks so much for coming on it was great to chat to you and learn a little bit more about uh, rrp and your products there so listen good luck for 2020 i hope everything goes well and um, maybe you'll get a holiday this year i'm not sure but hopefully you do uh, <laughs> i shouldn't worry about me i get plenty of holidays and uh, you know nice bikes and all the rest of it and <laughs> so i'm you know i'm, I'm doing all right it's, uh, <laughs> i'm very happy doing what i'm doing Cool, bud. Cool. Well, listen, good luck for 2020, and um, I hope you get out on the bike plenty this week. What's the weather doing now there? Um, well, it's uh, well, it was starting to dry out a bit after six months of rain, um, uh, and, I th- and I thought we were on the turn, but then, uh, yeah, it hammered it down all yesterday, and we did a mountain bike night ride last night, and it was pretty hideous. Um, yeah, I'm getting a little fed up of it. You know, I, I just yeah. went to I launched the Pro Guard bolt on. I sort of knelt down and gave a little prayer to God, give us some rain for Christ's sake. This thing's cost me a fortune. <laughs> and now I'm sort of kneeling down and saying, oh, all right, enough already. I, I, I'm happy now. Thanks very much for your help. But now, will you, for Christ's sake, you know, I want to ride me back. It's, uh, yeah, it's tough going out there. And I can imagine it is, 
you know, out your way as well. It uh, seems pretty relentless, doesn't it? Since about September, October last year, it's uh, we've had pretty consistent rain. Crazy man, crazy. Well, your guards will be getting plenty of use, that's for sure. So good stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been good uh, sales wise, that's for sure. But but now I'd rather have less sales and some decent weather, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> 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 good stuff well listen bro thanks very much for coming on it was great to chat with you it's been an absolute pleasure thanks very much that's a wrap for episode 173 I hope you enjoyed that folks and if you had heard it before I hope you enjoyed listening to it again but if not I hope you enjoyed it and you go out and have a look at mudguards they really do make a difference now just don't go and buy any old cheap thing Look at what's available in the market and check out RRP stuff. Like Craig puts a lot of design, a lot of thought, a lot of energy into his products and I think you certainly will not be disappointed. Now if you want to know a little bit more about RRP and about Craig, just go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtb-tribe.com. You'll get all the RRP socials there. You'll learn a little bit more and there's a few review videos and stuff there for the products. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, the best way to support the show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, don't worry. You can also find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, or whatever podcast platform you listen to your shows on. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show from there. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. You can find us on social media at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook, or you can shoot me a line the old-fashioned way, the email way, at info at mtb-tribe.com. So thanks so much for being here this week, folks. I do appreciate you tuning in. And until next week, as always, it may not be as easy this week now. But if you can, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked.